Welcome to Seven Questions, the podcast that aims to bust through the myths and drill down into everything property investment. My name's Sarah, and I'll be your host today. Today's episode is going to be all about how to build your property empire. It sounds pretty grand when you put it like that, but essentially we're talking about building a property portfolio. The 2018 Private Landlord Survey found that 38% of landlords own between two and four properties, but just 17% of landlords own five or more properties. Someone who's been there, done that, and knows all about it is today's guest, Andy Foote, who's a property investment expert and a director at Seven Capital. Welcome, Andy. Uh, thank you. Thanks for having me, Sarah. You're very welcome. Uh, first, tell us how many years you've been investing in property yourself. How many years of experience? Um, 37. I'm 57 years old today and I bought my first property as a 20-year-old. Lots and lots of uh, experience to draw on today then. Okay, so let's dive straight in. We're going to start with, if you're an investor looking to build a portfolio, how early should you start thinking about it and why? Um, well, of course, it comes down to affordability um, for when you can make your move. But um, I started thinking about it. You, you, you get an education, you leave school, you get a job and you start thinking about setting your stall out and building your wealth. Um, you want to buy a house, you want to settle down and all of this kind of stuff. And normally in your 20s, people with a plan, people who want to get on financially, they start thinking about it at this stage. Um, and uh, you, you, there's only so much you can learn and you, uh, information you can gather before you have to take the plunge. But um, there's no real answer to that. Um, uh, today, we know that there's a gap in the pensions market. We know that the government are now not providing the pensions that they used to back in the day. There's no full salary pensions anymore, etc. So there is a large piece uh, going on about encouraging the public now to take care of their, take control of their own finances uh, and, 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 and build their own wealth because what you're going to get in 30, 40 years from the government isn't what you need. Uh, and there's, there's a, you know, big pieces around about that. So yeah, property's uh, an understandable way of building wealth. Uh, what I mean by that is people often get um, uh, put off by stocks and shares because it's not so, it's a little bit more intricate. Uh, but they know property, it's bricks and mortar, it's simple. They know that if they buy uh, a nice property in a good location, that it's gonna go up in value over the years because of supply and demand. And um, and if you get a tenant in there, it can double in value and, and that's how you can um, you know, um, yeah. put money into your pension pot. Of course, I guess it would make sense, I suppose, to start thinking early because property is of course more expensive these days. Um, so the earlier you can think about it, the more you can plan to be able to afford it, I suppose. It's a natural thing, Sarah. You know, like I say, you get into your 20s and you think about getting a good career. And then you get into your 30s and you think about finding a partner and, and you know, you get influenced by everyone else having kids and you want to settle down. And of course, money plays a big part in this. You know, we all want to get on and have a nice dream of a nice lifestyle. And, and as I said, preparing for your pension. And so um, it just comes naturally, it came naturally to me. You know, I wanted it all. Okay, great. 
Um, would you say there's an easy way to scaling your portfolio? So say you've, you've got your first one or two properties and you want to kind of move forward, but you don't know, you don't know where to go. You don't know how you want to get there quickly. Basically, you want to get there quick. Is there an easy way to do it? Or is it a general kind of formula that you have to follow? Look, it's, it's uh, of course, the easy way is leverage, is mortgages. And um, back in the day, you know, when I started 37 years ago, things were very different. You could get a 100% mortgage. In fact, you could get a 110% mortgage because they gave you 10% for your furniture and all your fees. I mean, that's what it was like. I know that's crazy for youngsters today, but you can have as many as you like. Um, and so um, the easy way is leverage, but it's also in today's market uh, having the deposit. So you're looking traditionally in the UK at a 25% deposit for a buy-to-let mortgage. And if you're offshore, more like a 30% or 35% deposit. And so, you know, with prices at something like 200 or 300,000, you know, you need a 50 to 80,000 pound deposit to buy a, a property like that. Um, and so, you know, that's tax paid money. And so you've got to get yourself into that situation before you can leverage up. So uh, I would always encourage people to borrow uh, because you can get a, a bigger return. You can get more capital growth uh, on a, a larger volume than you can on if you just paid cash for one. Okay. Um, but um, yeah, it's leverage and having the cash deposits to, to, um, to, to scale up. Okay, so we're talking about borrowing. I guess if you're going to borrow, you're going to want to kind of try and narrow your risk a little bit, aren't you? So we know property is one of the most stable investments, um, certainly the most stable, high-yielding investments that you can that you can buy into. Um, in regards to risk, then, how can building a portfolio in property help an investor? Um, well. Um when you say risk, do you mean risk on cash flow or risk on um, uh, the, the, your property investment going up or down? Um, I think both, because if you look at, I guess you're looking at any investment obviously can fluctuate, there's a risk in, in any of it. Yeah. So how could you, I guess, how could you mitigate that risk well, but using property? Yeah, okay, yeah. good question, because there are lots of options of how you could um, invest money. Um, do you, we, we talk about the old adage, location, location, location. And why is it? Why is location important? Well, it's all to do with the tenant. And you've heard me say many times, the cornerstone of any property investment is the tenant. And that doesn't matter if it's retail, commercial, residential, or industrial. Without the tenant, your value, you've got no income, and your value is going down in the property. Um, and so, um, the reason why you, you choose the right location is to make sure that there's sustainable tenant demand, not just for today. If you've got a 20 or 25 year mortgage and you're in your 30s or 40s and looking at retiring when you're 50 or 60, you know, you need that, that apartment to be appealing for the next 20, 25 years, not five years or just now. So you've got to look into the future, you've got to look forward and we specialise in regeneration areas. That's what. That's why we do the research. We don't just buy anywhere. And we look at regeneration areas. And, and what I mean by that is where there's uh, external investment coming into a town or city to rebuild the old stuff that was built in the 50s and 60s. And um, working with the councils, they attract new employers 
into the area and they give them uh, you know, council tax rebates, etc., etc., and new buildings. And so often in these areas, companies will, will invest and move to. That creates jobs and universities alike. And so all of a sudden we've got tenants and we've got tenant demand. Okay. There's a question in that. So you've, you've sold us on the regeneration aspect, but why choose a regeneration location as opposed to a location that's already proven, that's maybe not got any re regeneration but is already performing? It's a great question. And it's, it's about trend. So uh, supply and demand figures. Um, uh, let's just give an example. So we've got a, um, uh, a city, we'll just use any city. And the city has had no um, development because of the financial crash. 2008 financial crash, no developments in one of our first cities for five years. And that's what happened. Didn't, development didn't start till 14 outside of London. Now, during those five years, the economy is recovering and more people are getting jobs and more people are moving into the city and there's an undersupply. And because there's an undersupply, rents go up and property prices go up because there's too many tenants and not enough uh, houses, not enough apartments. And then what happens is developers from all over the world, not just from that city, will see this and they'll jump on the bandwagon and they'll come into the area, they'll invest, they'll buy plots, and they'll build apartments. And then this supply of apartments overtakes the demand of the tenants because they build 5,000 apartments and now there are too many apartments and not enough tenants. And so what happens then? You get voids, uh, rentals drop uh, and prices drop. And you've got this race, this trend race, it ebbs and flows in every location, in London, in, in, in Scotland, in, in Birmingham, Manchester, or all the towns around the UK. Over a 25 year period, you will see this supply and demand ebb and flow. And so as investors, when you're looking for the next 20 years, you wanna catch that boat at the right time. You wanna catch it at the trend. So when you look at a place that uh, is, is well established and you know, it's, it's proven good, have a look at the development that's going on in that area. And if all the regeneration and the job creation was five years ago, um, have a look, speak to, you'll get your answers from the letting agents. The letting agent, you'll say to the letting agent market, is it a tenant driven market or is it a stock driven market? They know what that means. Um, if uh, there's too many apartments and you can't find a tenant, that's a tenant-driven market. And that's not a good place to be because there's voids, there's too much stock. And if, um, if there's uh, not enough stock and loads of tenants, because HSBC have just employed 3,000 people, and PwC have just 2,000, and Deutsche 2,500, and the list goes on, well, that is a stock-driven market. We need the stock, we've got the tenants, we need the stock. And so that's what we look at. We look at getting onto that, um, that trend at the beginning, because it, it does take, I said five years, and it's probably longer, it's probably 10 years, because to build, to buy a plot of land and deliver uh, a block of apartments is a four year uh, period, because you've got to buy, get the planning, do all of your work, sell them, build them, etc. So yeah, it's over a 10 year period really. So yeah, it's about looking for new regeneration where you can ride that um, 10 to 20 year cycle and stay in the right side of the market rather than the wrong. 
Brilliant. So you're talking about long term. And we've heard you, everyone at Seven Capital has heard you talk a lot um, about timing the market or versus time in the market. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that because it's obviously it's obviously all about the long term. Yeah. Isn't it? It is, yeah. Well look, it, the property market is cyclical as we know. So um, my point earlier was trying to catch the right trend and that's going into a regeneration area. But in general, um, over the last, I don't know, since the 70s, um, the property prices have doubled four times. In the 70s and 80s, they doubled about every five or six years. And then in the noughties and the 2010s, it's more like every 13, 14 years. So of course, that curve cannot keep going at the same rate, because if it did, we'd all have two million pound one bed apartments in Birmingham, uh, which will probably come one day. But anyway, um, yeah, so um, given that property prices will double over a period of time, 15, 20 years um, from now, you you could be forgiven for getting into the market at any time because I'm just going to sit here. I might be getting in at the top. I might be getting in at the bottom. But um, what is the difference between the top and the bottom? Well, do you know what? If I could have bought that at the right time, it would have been 200,000. And now I bought it at the wrong time and it's 250,000. Well, let's just go forward 20 years. And that 250,000 apartments is worth 500,000 because that's what we're talking about. And I know that's easy to say, but if you look at history, that's what happens. Um, I've just made 250,000, just over the last 20 years, I've made 250,000. Now, am I worried about the 50 grand? Am I going to beat myself up and go, oh my God, you know, I should have bought it at 200? No. And I've done it many times. And you've heard me talk about the very first apartment that I bought. It was a killer. My mate paid 88,000 for a two bed in the best area in Birmingham. And we were quite competitive and he decided not to tell me. And then two weeks later, over a beer, he couldn't help himself and he had to brag. Well, I got straight round there the next day. Because you get 100% mortgages. So I got straight round the next day and they said, yeah, we've got a couple left, uh, 110,000. And he paid 88,000. And when you work it out, it's a 22,000 increase. It's exactly 25% they put those last ones up. And it was a killer. And I couldn't deal with it. I couldn't deal with the loss that he paid 88 and for exactly the same apartment next door, I was paying 110. Well, today, Sarah, it's 325 grand, that apartment. Mm. And thank God I bought it. Because yeah. who's worried? 25% increase. It's a lot of money at the time. You know, we're talking about you know, 37 years ago, whenever that is. And so it's a lot of money. But my stomach told me to do it. And um, thank goodness I did. It's all about future vision, isn't it? Okay, so we've talked about um, time in the market. We've talked about location. What about types of property? How do you know what type of property to buy into? Is it all dependent on the location? What elements do you need to look at to make sure that you're buying the right type of property? Okay, that's a good question. Um, we talk about regeneration areas, so you've got tenant demand. But um, I asked myself in my 37-year journey, um, why don't I buy houses, not apartments? And so I, 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 I did. I bought some houses as well as the apartments that I was building up. 
And what I learned very quickly is that, um, I, I, by the way, the reason why I looked at houses, I was irritated by the service charge and the ground rent. Uh, I didn't like paying £200 a month out of my uh, rent every month of that. And so, and then when you build up five, ten, you know, it's suddenly thousands a month. And so I thought, I'm going to clean, I'm going to go freehold and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, what I learned over a three-year period is it works out exactly the same because I, I keep spreadsheets every month of everything I spend and it comes in and work out the yields, etc., to make sure it's on track um, and I get annual valuations. What I saw within three years is I was spending exactly the same amount on maintenance for the house, yeah. houses, that I was for the apartments. The only difference is with the houses, it's you've got to sort it. It's your time. The tenant rings up and says, the fence has blown down. Uh, I've got a leak in the roof or my, you know, my, my something's broken. And you have to do it. And it, it, it only comes once a year or once in 18 months. But when they come, it's two or 3,000 quid. And, um, and you have to organise it yourself. You have to, you have to, it's your time, right? Whereas with the apartment, you're just paying your 200 quid a month or whatever. It's still two and a half grand a year, but it's hands off. It's, it's fully managed and you don't have to do it yourself. And so I, uh, I learned that if you want a hands-off investment where you're busy with your life, busy with your career, and you don't want to, the more apartments you get, the more you'll get snowed under with all the work involved if you try and manage them yourself, unless you're retired. So you do need a fully managed service, and that is why I went down the apartment route and why a lot of people do in the UK. The, the, the other important thing to mention as well is this culture change in the UK not just the UK, around the world, I should say, um, where people are migrating to the cities. Uh, the cities were just a place to shop and to bank in the 70s and 80s and 90s. And then all of a sudden, because of social media and, and mobile phones, people, uh, you know, young people living in the country that get a bus that turns up once a week to take them to the bright lights could see on their phones what was going on. And they all want to be in the action. And as the retail has kind of come off and it's gone more online, the usage of property in, in the city centre has changed. So now it's leisure. It is retail still, but it's more leisure. It's more bars and restaurants, etc. cetera. Uh, and it's commerce, it's work. People work in, in the city centres now, much more than they did before. Uh, and, and people want to live there. You know, the millennials of today, the digital natives, as we call them, you know, they go, only a dinosaur would sit in the car for two hours in the morning and commute uh, or, or wait for a bus and have an hour there and back. I want to walk to work and I want organic food and I want a gym and I want all these type of things. And so uh, this is culture change around the world, not just in the UK. So this, the towns and the cities are becoming more dense with living accommodation and in particular apartments because there's not the space for houses. And so coupled with this culture in the UK of people now willing to rent, when our parents said never rent is dead money, well, now they're willing to because they can't afford a £50,000 deposit. Coupled with that and the migration to the cities, you know, the apartments are the obvious um, choice to invest in because that's where all the demand is. It's convenience, isn't it? We live in a very instant society these days as well, so it all makes sense. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. Um, I think we've, we've heard some really, really good stuff there. I think what we want to 
really here now, just to round this off is, what's the most important thing to consider when you're building a portfolio? So if you had just a couple of nuggets of information for someone who came to you and said, right, I want to build my portfolio. I don't know what the most important thing is. I'm not really sure I've got all this going on my head. What's the key things that you would say to them? Well, there are two things that come in tandem. The first one is you've got to look at sustainable tenant demand because without that, you've got voids and you're in trouble. Um, and the second thing is that you get your cash flow right. So if you go into mortgage, and most people do, uh, you choose the right mortgage where your P&L, your, um, you're in a positive profit and loss each month. I, all your outgoings and your income, your only income is your rent, and then your outgoings are your grand rent, your service charge, your mortgage in general, um, and making sure you're in a positive cash flow there. Um, because... If you're lucky enough to be financially secure and you've got lots of money coming in to whatever you do, you haven't got that worry. Um, but if you're not, and most people aren't, you know, they, they save enough on the side to invest. Um, the more properties you pick up and add to your portfolio, the higher the danger is that if they become negative, and why would they become negative? Well, voids, uh, you know, um, maybe there's an oversupply of apartments, or um, there's a leak and it takes six months to repair. Um, and uh, so you, you've got no money coming in. And the other thing, uh, there's a huge interest rate hike. I remember being a 26 year old and the interest rate I had on my mortgage was 5% and it went up to 15%. They called it Black Monday and it was a famous day and Wall Street and the stock market and all the rest of it. And I nearly had my house repossessed. Uh, because you know, suddenly my mortgage you know, trebled in value and I just haven't got the money to pay it. And if you've got that across, you know, the deck of cards can come down, tumbling down, if you overstretch yourself. And so that's why today uh, interest-only mortgage rather than paying the capital value off is so popular. Because in gen general, a one-bedroom apartment in Birmingham, say, you're about £400 um, uh, flush uh, up. And so you're building up £5,000 a year cash into your uh, property uh, bank account. And it's a good place to be. As I say, you start getting to four, eight, ten apartments, you're exposed if uh, you get voids. So it's a good way to. So, so just watch your cash flow, basically. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Andy. That's been great to chat to you today. I think we've covered a lot of ground there. If anyone's listening and is interested in reading more about how to build your property empire, then you can download a free guide from Seven Capital's website. Just head to sevencapital.com. Now, we haven't quite finished with you yet, Andy. Before we let you go, we want to find a little bit more about the man behind the mic. So, if you could only have one of each of the following for the rest of your life, what would it be? And you've got five seconds got it. to give your answer. Okay, so one music album. Oh, right, okay. One music album. Uh, Tears for Fears, Song from the Big Chair. Nice. Okay, one meal. Uh, definitely Pasta Arabietta. Interesting. Uh, one film. Uh, that would be Avatar. Great choice. One TV show? Uh, gotta be Gavin and Stacey. <laughs> that is a classic, I have to say. Okay, and one luxury item? Um, toothbrush. 
luxury item, a toothbrush? Um, that's, that's... I don't know. Is uh, it gold plated? Yeah, no, maybe maybe <laughs> I got that wrong. Yeah. Anyway, I've lost my five seconds now. <laughs> I've got a five. I've got a gold star toothbrush. <laughs> yeah. What's a luxury item? Uh, you could have like your car, a luxury watch, something oh, right, expensive. Okay. If it's your toothbrush, that's absolutely fine. It's the first thing that came into my mind. Teeth are important. Yeah, to yeah. Be fair. Uh, it's the first so thing that people came pay to a lot of money for those, okay. so we'll go with we'll go with gold plated toothbrush and okay. be done with it. Beautiful. <laughs> okay, well that's the end of today's podcast. Thank you for listening to everyone. Be sure to check out the rest of our seven questions podcast series and give our channel a follow. And if you like what you hear, please feel free to give us a review.